It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hey everyone, it's Ben Price. It's uh, great to be back on Thunder Down Under, part of Daily Thunder and looking at evangelism truths from heroes of the faith. And uh, I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it because I'm getting to uh, study and explore these heroes. I already know a lot of them, but uh, getting more in depth. And it's just so, so good to uh, be able to study these lives and uh, not just to hear about them and go, what a great story that was, but to personally apply that when we're out there sharing the gospel. And there's so many heroes. There's so many heroes that you'll be thinking, oh, he has to do this guy. Well, you know, we've only got a few to go and uh, I'm going to do my best to bring the ones in uh, that I, I think about that's in no particular order. It's not these are the best. Uh, it just happens to be ones that I thought of and think it's a good variety. It's a good mix. And the one I'm looking at today, look, I do have to put this one in because he's probably one of my favorites. And if you've listened to Daily Thunder for long enough, uh, also, Eric's sermons over the years from Ellerslie, you'll know this guy, probably feel like you almost know him personally. I'm talking about Richard Wormbrand, or probably best to say Richard Wormbrand, because they get the W and the, the V, vice versa, or vice versa, you could say. So, Richard Wormbrand, and um, he is undoubtedly one of my favorite uh, of all the heroes of the faith. Uh, I know I've said that with a few of them, but that's that's kind of why I'm doing it, because we're looking at these guys and how they can help us. And so the subtitle of this is Suffering with Joy, which <laughs> doesn't sound uh, great to put those two words together. they almost polar opposites. Suffering? That's not good. Joy? Well, that's, that's great. How do you have the two together? Well, Richard Wormbrand, Richard Wormbrand uh, did that with absolute honors. And so uh, Richard Wurmbrand was born in Bucharest uh, in Romania in 1909, and he died in California, can you believe, in 2001. So this is within my lifetime. This is not that long ago that he was still with us. Uh, So he's mostly known for his book, Tortured for Christ, where he spent a total of 14 years being tortured in communist Romanian prisons. And um, I, I recently reread uh, this book here, which is uh, called Wurmbrand, and it's actually got the story of Tortured for Christ and their complete whole story where it goes into Sabina's uh, life as well. You can't sort of separate the two because they were, well, they were married, but also they, they just were such great ambassadors for the communist, uh, sorry, for the <laughs> uh, tortured church, I should say, uh, or the, the persecuted church would be more accurate. So during the communist years. But uh, in, in his early years, he grew up pretty poor, uh, like a lot of these heroes of the faith, very humble, poor upbringing. And uh, like a lot of people that have that upbringing when they're poor, they do everything they can to try and sort of work so that, you know, the next generation won't have to. So worked very hard. He became a stockbroker. And then he was able to do what he wanted to, live the life he wanted uh, to, you know, basically drink, uh, excessively drink, you know, and, and gamble and womanize. And, and he was a stockbroker that uh, would travel often. It was around 1936 he met Sabina and she had uh, an Orthodox Jewish upbringing. Richard also had a, a Jewish upbringing, but never really uh, practiced. He never even had a bar mitzvah. Uh, but they both, you know, had a Jewish wedding. It was more sort of to appease the parents, if anything, 
they really lived a more atheist lifestyle. Richard had grown up reading uh, books by Voltaire. And so he was leaning towards that atheistic, communistic lifestyle where, you know, God wasn't really a part of his life. In fact, he doubted God. His dad had died when he was earlier. So it's like, you know, if God can't heal my dad and he would take him at such an early age, you know, why would God allow suffering? That It's a typical uh, jaded response from a lot of atheists. And um, so when they were married, their goal was simple and it was uh, rather achievable that they would chase pleasure wherever it could be found. And that's just really the uh, the lifestyle of a non-believer, really, right there. And, and that's they did. So, uh, But shortly after they were married, uh, you know, and they were living that lifestyle, it didn't take long into the marriage that they, um, Richard developed a, a very bad, annoying, persistent cough. <clears throat> he tested positive to COVID. And he had to isolate according to the... No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, what? No, he had tuberculosis, which uh, was quite, uh, you know, quite common in the 1930s. It was basically a death sentence when you had that. Uh, so this was, you know, not your ordinary cold. It really was a death sentence and it was so bad. Uh, they sent him up to a sanatorium up in the uh, Carpathian Mountains where he could get treated and inhale the fresh mountain air. And um, they had these heat lamps and you know, medicine that he could administer. And when he was there, it really gave him time to think about his life and think about what a selfish life he lived, really. Uh, it was good that he actually saw that because a lot of people need to have that moment of uh, just stop and think about their life. And it was really God's providence, the Holy Spirit drawing him even then. And um, up in the mountains, there was this German man called uh, Christian Wolfkes. I think that's how you say it. It's, uh, it's, it's the most German name, Wolfkes. Uh, he had spent an entire night in prayer praying that he had this burden to lead a Jewish man to Christ because he knew that Christ was Jewish and he wanted to lead a Jewish man to Christ. And Richard Wurmbrand was Jewish as well at that time. And he loaned him a New Testament. And Richard... Well, he's got that time on his hands, so he's doing a lot of reading. And so I guess out of curiosity, he decided to read the New Testament. And um, he'd had time to think and realized he had this selfish, um, hedonistic lifestyle. And it was almost like his sin was catching up with him. And it was this wake-up call. And God had to humble him. And God does that with our lives, doesn't he? He humbles the exalted. He exalts the humble and lifts them up. And Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I will use this verse often because it's so uh, prevalent in the ministries of so many of these heroes of the faith. They were humble, but God had to humble them first. And then when he lifted them up and gave them a platform, it was not for their uh, glory, but for the glory of God. And so we see that in so many of these heroes' lives. And you certainly see it in Richard's life um, when they had pride. God had to bring them low um, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that, you know, when I had pride and thinking I can do it and I achieve my comedy career and God had to humble me. It's a pattern. Um, we see it even in the scriptures. Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, God humbled him. He was blinded by the light on the road to Damascus. And, um, and in that humble experience, then God gave him the grace and raised him up for the glory of God. We saw it with Moses. Uh, God took him out of Egypt where he was in the wilderness, uh, able to be humbled in there and even worked as a shepherd 
which is the lowliest of jobs uh, that you could do in the Hebrew culture. Uh, just like Jesus, I am the good shepherd. He came as a humble servant. Um, but then, you know, God used Moses to raise him up. But this time it was for God's glory. And you see that in so many Christians' lives, really. We need to be humbled so God can be exalted through us. And so what did what did Richard sound like? I've done a little bit of the accent. I've got a lot of Romanian friends. One of my really uh, best friends, uh, Ben, is, is a great mate of mine. He comes out sharing the gospel with me. So we have Ben and Ben. He's, his actually name is Benone because he's Romanian. So it's spelt Ben 1. So he says, I'm Ben 1 and I'm Ben 2. And uh, we love to go out and share the gospel. Um, and so I have a few Romanian friends from my church. And uh, th- their accent to me is a little bit kind of like the Russian. It's heading towards that way. Because uh, you know, the Russian is very much like, you know, they roll the R's like this. And the the Romanians is like that, but not as much, you know. It's something like this. A little bit, you know, right. You know, that's how I see. But Richard had also that sort of Jewish sound to him as well. And so... Uh, instead of that, it was like za, uh, the, the Z, we call it Z. I, mean, I know Americans call it Z. We call it Z. Isn't that, isn't that strange? But that's, you get the same sound, basically. So here's a few quotes from Richard Wormbrand. God will judge us not according to how much we endured, but how much we love. There was once a fiddler who played so beautifully that everybody danced. A deaf man could not hear the music, considered them all insane. Those are with Jesus, suffering, hear this music, to which other men are deaf. They dance and do not care if they are considered insane. Even the best Christians are troubled by this question. Why doesn't Almighty God send or at least allow suffering? When you are nagged by thoughts like this, say to yourself, I am still in elementary school. When I graduate from University of Christian Life, I will understand His ways better and doubts will cease. Did I believe in God? Now the test has come. I was alone. There was no salary to earn, no golden opinions to consider. God offered me only suffering. I would continue to love Him. I have found truly jubilant Christians only in the Bible, in the underground church, and in prison. Well, I love that one there, that last quote there. Truly jubilant Christians, uh, only in the Bible, the underground church, and in prison. Uh, it ought to be that we all have that jubilant uh, nature, that joy. Uh, it, it seems like such an oxymoron again to think, you know, the underground church and in prison, they're going to be miserable Christians, right? Uh, but we don't look at circumstances. We we look to the one, the author and perfecter of our faith. and And that's where we find our joy. And it's because when we're in those situations, those distractions that are normally around us, they're gone and we can focus on him. And um, yeah, you're not going to find the joy in circumstances. You're only going to find it in him. So 
Richard had read this New Testament and after reading so much and just questioning it, uh, he, he came to Christ. Well, he actually, before that, he said that, you know, money and travel and pleasure, I've, I've suffered enough. And he clenched his fists and said, you know, if your way is the way of the cross, even if it's truth, I won't follow it. So he was adamant. No, I'm not going to follow it. And then it's like an answer came into his head, a plea interrupting his thoughts. Come away. Don't fear the cross. You'll find it's the greatest joy possible. And we know as believers, this is not a con. This is the truth. We, we know it's extremely difficult, but it's like the Holy Spirit would say to every one of us, come away, come away from the world. Don't fear the cross. You'll find it's the greatest joy possible. I'm not talking about the false gospel where it says God has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, people think of circumstances when they're looking at that, a fleshly gospel. But we're talking about a gospel where we deny ourselves, take up our cross. And we, we're not to fear that because in that, that's where we find incredible joy, even if it's tough. And uh, so he prayed and he gave his life to Christ. And uh, he said to God, I, I was an atheist and now let me go to Russia for my work as a, as I'm, I'm alternating between my voice and his. Um, he said, now let me go to work uh, in Russia, or not in Russia, but to Russians uh, to work as a missionary among atheists. And he said this, I won't complain afterward if I have to spend the rest of my life in prison, which uh, I don't know how many of us are going to say that, but uh, it was almost prophetic. But uh, yeah, it certainly is something that he counted the cost for, no doubt. Now, this was happening with Richard. Meanwhile, Sabina, she's not on the same trajectory. She wants to keep her good life. She does not want to uh, forsake this. She's enjoying the good life. And she would rather die than see him become a Christian. She just cannot stand it. She considered getting him, uh, getting a divorce. Uh, and Richard was growing in the Lord as this young Christian, excited and just lapping up uh, truth. And uh, he was getting baptized. Sabina was determined that she was going to kill herself that day because she knew that once you go that track. There's no turning back. When, you, when you're baptized, it's, he's all in. There's no going back to the old life. Uh, but yet God had plans for her also. And, um, it, and even though she was growing up as an Orthodox Jew, where her mom, if they drove past a church, uh, she'd say, look the other way. And, you know, she had this disdain for Christians, but uh, she kept hearing it and not just hearing it, audibly the gospel from Richard as she did and, and he kept on planting seeds of truth. Uh, she was seeing it in his life and and he, he even allowed her to go out to one of the bars or the the, the, the nightclubs. This is not, not like the nightclubs of today, but this is in the in the late nineteen thirties, uh, you know, where the sort of jazz clubs. Um, but she was she felt so disgusted from going there because she saw the futility of it and she was like, Oh, I feel dirty. I, I I want to get baptized and wipe away this filth. I'm not going to try and imitate Sabina, but uh, yeah, I think she was almost like determined. It was about two in the morning. Let's well, let's wait till the morning. Richard was saying, but uh, but Richard grew and grew in the Lord, and he decided he was going to become a pastor. So here he is, this atheist. Now he's a Christian. Now he wants to be a pastor, and they have their first child. They didn't want to have children because that would have upset their their, their uh, selfish lifestyle. But here he is becoming a pastor, having a child. And this is during the time of the Second World War. And um, 
the Nazi uh, reign. And so during that time, many times, uh, you know, they had to be very careful as Christians and especially as Jews because persecution was uh, among uh, the town there in Bucharest in Romania. And uh, many, many times Richard was imprisoned, uh, usually for about two weeks at a time. So he was already accustomed to this. He was already used to the uh, suffering in prison. When he came to Christ, he counted the cost of following Christ, knowing I might suffer. I probably will. And uh, this is all before communism when he's you know, being trained, as it were, in prison, if you like. And so he went uh, to prison like he, you know, he was inured for the task. He knew that there was danger and this is part of the Christian journey. Not all of us are doing that. A lot of us want to somehow escape the difficulty, whereas he knew this is it's par for the course, really. Uh, during this time, he would go door to door with Sabina and share the gospel with neighbors. And there's some amazing stories, which I won't go into because they're more about Sabina's life. But, uh, oh, by the way, if you get to watch the film Tortured for Christ, highly recommend it. Tor- there's Tortured for Christ. And then they did a prequel, Tortured for Christ, Sabina, the Nazi years, which I watched at the end of last year. And I have to say, it is not just one of my favorite Christian films, but probably one of my favorite films of all. It was so powerful. And I won't tell you if you haven't seen it or read the book, but it, it I, I honestly found it hard to talk after it. I was so overwhelmed and just moved. Uh, it was just incredible. So I, I, I love it and wholly recommend it to you. Um, so the Wormbrands, Richard and Sabina, learned that with the help of the Holy Spirit, that they could withstand any amount of torture and they could forgive their enemies. That is amazing. Uh, Matthew 5, 43 to 44 says, You've heard it said, uh, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Jesus says, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wow, only the Holy Spirit in us can give us that love for our enemies because it's very unnatural to have a love. We can tolerate them and just say, okay, I won't retaliate at them. Uh, but to love our enemies, wow, that's that's something where we need something other than our own self and we need the Holy Spirit to do that. And uh, especially when we're suffering, uh, which was a huge part of Richard's life. For uh, uh, You know, when you read this book, if you're lukewarm, uh, it's, it's going to be very uncomfortable and hopefully it'll stir you to get uh, on fire for the Lord. Uh, but if you truly desire to go deeper and deeper, you will be so inspired. It's it's still very tough to read. And a lot of us would say, uh, I can't endure what he endured. And you're right, you cannot. Uh, it's only by his grace that we can allow him to uh, get us to endure whatever he needs us to do. And uh, yeah, we may not end up in a communist prison. Um, but we need to learn how to stand today, whatever circumstances we're in. Um, to be a good witness for Christ, we've got to be standing in the small trials first. We've got to stand up for Christ with no compromise. Um, how do we stand up in a jail cell where guards are beating us if we haven't first stood up at our schools, in our workplace, uh, at our gym, wherever we are, when there's people around us? If we haven't stood up for Christ in those, how are we going to be on that day, if we are persecuted in those greater trials, we've got to stand before those trials come and um, be like Daniel in in First Daniel. I'm going to say First Daniel, <laughs> 
Daniel 1, 8. There's not like second Daniel, just in case you're wondering. Uh, I love this. Daniel 1, verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So purposing your heart that you will stand for Christ. Because it's certainly awkward when you know, you're know you challenged and you have to say, oh, oh, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. I, I know that happened to me one time when I was meant to do a radio voiceover. And I just went in there and went to do the voice. And there was a, a word that I didn't want to say uh, as, a, as a believer. It was a profanity and won't mention what it was. Uh, and even people would say, oh, that's not that bad. I, I knew I can't say that. And I said, oh, you're not allowed to say that. I said, oh, it's fine. You can say it. And I said... Yeah, I can't. I, I can't say that because, yeah, yeah it, I'm a Christian and my conviction, I just cannot say that word. And I walked away from it and it was a big opportunity. Uh, it was hard, but but I've learned since also that I, I want to purpose in my heart even before that happens, that my answer is already, God, I, I will take that stand for you if that day comes and when that day comes so that they understand, he, they know where I stand already. Uh, so it, it you know saves us a bit of time and a bit of pain. So after the uh, Nazism, there was uh, a, a short window of peace, if you like, a short season until the communism came in. So one evil goes, uh, an even bigger evil comes in, very different, but uh, very much evil, very much coming from the same place. And um, you know, one morning, uh, so I'm cutting a lot out here because there's some great stories that involve Sabina and. Um, as I said, read them and watch the films Tortured for Christ and the prequel Tortured for Christ, Sabina, the Nazi years. You'll, you'll love them. And uh, yeah, difficult, but, but great. But uh, there was this gathering of clergy members at um, Parliament Hill. And they were all church leaders of priests and uh, pastors and all different denominations represented who were sort of pledging their allegiance. They're giving their support to communism, to this uh, new Romanian government. And, and getting up and standing up and speaking and even getting applauded that they would side. You know, it's so, it's not something that really goes together. Uh, you know, you're talking about communism, which is anti-God. And you've got pastors saying they'll side with that. And they're speaking. And, and this is just, you know, you, you'd hear this uh, you'd squirm in your stomach. Sabina couldn't take it any longer. It says in the book that she exhaled slowly. <sighs> She wiped her sweaty palms on her lap. Her heart was racing. She leaned towards her husband and grabbed his hand. Under her breath, she whispered in Richard's ear, Richard, stand up and wash this shame from the face of Christ. Richard turned to Sabina and stared into her angry eyes. It was clear he knew. She was right, but she could also tell that he understood the consequences. If I do, if I do, he warned. You'll lose your husband. Sabina's eyes bored into Richard's and she squeezed his hands. Her nails dug into his palm with courage and only from the Holy Spirit she spoke again. I don't want a coward for a husband. Wow. <laughs> That's uh, incredible, powerful 
words right there that uh, you don't want to ignore that, Richard. And so he got up and spoke. It's not not just well, <laughs> his wife's telling me to. I better get up. It's it's the Holy Spirit convicting him also, and he gets up to speak. And rather than siding with the crowd, it's the easy way to go to give support to this. Uh, this communist government. He proclaimed the name of Jesus. He gave glory to God. He went the opposite way. And there was suddenly all this applause because Richard was saying all the things that everyone else was thinking in the crowd. And, uh, but they cut the microphone, which is interesting after, you know, he already said what he probably had to say. Uh, And it's interesting too, because it makes me think, you know, if they're really anti-God and they're atheistic, they're not going to care. They're just going to think he's a madman. Like, okay, whatever. Do you know what I mean? But there's power there because God is real. And this is a threat to communism. And uh, he spoke. There is a time to speak. Ecclesiastes uh, 3 verse 7 and the, the second part of that verse says, A time to keep silent or keep silence and a time to speak. How, how do we know? We know that. Uh, and, and often it's like when we're walking in stride with the Spirit, like according to Galatians 5, when we're walking in the Spirit, uh, we will know when there's the time to speak because generally our flesh is like, oh, I don't want to speak. <laughs> but we just go, I, I have to, I have to say something for the Lord. And there are other times when our flesh just wants to retaliate and speak and and be quick to speak, but we've got to be slow to speak, slow to anger. Then that's where we have to suppress it and we have that self-control. The Holy Spirit will get us to be silent. But this was not one of those times. This was a time definitely to speak and and he did unashamedly um we need that in our witness for christ and and you know how are we going to how are they going to hear without someone preaching as it says in romans we need to speak we need to shine the light as richard shone the light in that dark place and be unashamed matthew 5 15 nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Don't cover your light uh, with a bowl, spiritually speaking, or a basket or a, or a bushel. You, you, you decide which version you want to have, right? Let that light shine. And yes, it's not easy, but we need that light to go out into the darkness. Um, and we need to speak when God puts it on our heart that we need to speak and and. In evangelism, that could be... So you might not be uh, at a communist gathering, but you need to speak at your school or your uh, event or whatever it is. You Even going out on the street to share the gospel, speak and, and God will give you the boldness. God will give you the strength. You might go, I can't do it. And I say to people, of course you can't, but through God, you you can do it. And it starts small. It starts with, you know, here's a tract or even just watching. Um, so... Let your light shine and and don't be afraid to speak. Take that stand. Even like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they they took a stand um, and God gave them that strength and he, well, he certainly protected them. Um, the risk that Richard took was, uh, it was worth it. You know, he had that desired effect, but he would pay dearly because, uh, you know, he was thrown in prison later on. But uh it wasn't immediately. They continued ministering to Russian soldiers uh, with the gospel. Richard would, um, there's many great stories where he, he'd pretend he's buying a watch and then he would kind of uh, suss them out and realize it's, it's safe and he was able to share the gospel and, and bring uh, stories. And it, it gave him such joy 
to minister to these uh, Russians. Um, he spoke five languages. Can you I, I find it so amazing? He was so well read. He was so intelligent, and he spoke f- five languages. It's like a little party trick. It's like, wow. It's and Morse code too. So uh, yeah, that's not as hard, but it's it's impressive. So fast forward a little bit to February 29 of 1948. And um, he was walking uh, to go out and preach at a church. I think he was about to officiate a wedding. So he uh, went earlier than his wife. He kissed her goodbye and waved. And uh, she was to join him later on. But moments later, he was forced into the back of a van with a gun at his temple. And he was taken to a communist prison. Now, he'd been reading about uh, Joshua uh, you know, Joshua is about to take the promised land uh, and God says, be strong and courageous and, you know, do not fear. And he understood that in, in scripture, this is amazing, that 366 times it says, do not fear. And yes, every day of the year, including a leap year, uh, February 29 had that promise. So he's arrested on February 29. I've heard him and seen in interviews uh, which you can see on YouTube, he's, he's being interviewed and he says, even on this day, I, I had the promise that February 29, I shall say, do not fear. And it was providential that he knew he was arrested that day. They, they're wondering, is this guy crazy? Has he lost the plot? He's, he's gone mad because he's smiling and there was no fear. <laughs> you know, most people that are going to be taken away uh, from your wife and and from your children, or he had one child, would be panicked and sweating and thinking this is this is the worst thing. This is the thing we've been dreading, and here he is, complete with joy. Uh, he's not faking it, by the way. This is genuine joy, and God's promise. It was providential. February twenty nine. Do not fear. Matthew ten twenty eight. It says, and do not fear. So Jesus is saying this, and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. When we fear God, we we don't fear what what can man do to us. If God be for us, who can ever be against us, right? So Richard had years of solitary confinement and was tortured to a, a degree that we will never imagine is possible. Think how on earth, when you read this book, it's just, there's so much stuff in it that's just so disturbing and you think, how does he endure this? How does he not die? And um, many couldn't take the solitary confinement because they don't like their own company. Uh, I've got like 200 voices, so I'm okay. But but even then, most people go insane and most people try to kill themselves. But Richard knew that he had the presence of God. And we know in the presence, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. So his... Uh, suffering resume, if you want to say it that way, uh, it almost sounds like what you read in 2 Corinthians 11 and uh, 24 to 28. This this is Paul writing uh, about himself. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one, which is 39. Just, I don't know, it's a long way of saying it. But it was meant to be 40, but... Uh, that would have killed them, so they would minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Uh, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Let's pause there for a sec. If you're going to get shipwrecked once, why would you ever go back on a boat? Yet he gets shipwrecked three times. Uh, a night and a day I've been in the deep. 
in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. Um, perils means in danger. Um, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. I, I could almost be reading this about Richard Wormbrand. That sounds so much like a a summary of his life right there. It's so uh, parallel almost. And he spent years uh, studying how Christians endured intense suffering. So God was preparing him for such a life. He became uh, known as somewhat of a martyrologist. Uh, and, and I've found that when I've read stories of martyrs, it's, it's one of the hardest things to read. And often you end up in tears just after reading it. But there's something about it that is a genuine Christianity that I've felt when I've read it. It's just this closeness, this intimacy with God. I can't describe why. It's just amazing. And um, But Richard had this great resilience because he'd been used to reading and studying these great um, martyrs of the past and becoming a living martyr. Um, we might not be in prison, as I've said, uh, but how do we go? during the last two years when we had lockdowns, when we've had all these crazy restrictions. Uh, if we grumble and complain, why would we be better when we get to prison? If we're grumbling in this situation, um, we've got to be doing well now. Uh, we can see the absurdity of the whole world and we, you know, we can get down and like this and sigh. Or we can look at it from a different perspective. We can rejoice. We can give thanks in all circumstances and pray without ceasing. And that's something that Richard did. This is something that during, um, and I've mentioned this before, that we had 270 plus days of lockdown, not all in a row. That's close to 40 weeks. That you know, That's 40 weeks as an evangelist. You can't go out on the street sharing the gospel. Um, but we found other ways and means to do it online and do it at shops when we were getting essentials and things like that. And I found that my prayer life was better, uh, a greater intimacy with God. Uh, I was reading the scriptures more. I had a, a greater desire to share the gospel, uh, a, a much deeper intimacy with Christ all around. Uh, circumstances, not great. And yet I had joy and there were times, see, there were times, you know, where I, I failed and the, the flesh kicked in and I was just, oh, this is, this sucks. This is awful. We had it so hard here in Melbourne where there was a pastor arrested for continuing to run church during lockdown, went to jail for 17 days. I think he was bailed out after that, but led all these people to come to Christ during that time. An amazing story of how that turned around. And, you know, there were people that were protesting that were being arrested. There were people that were uh, protesting that were being shot with rubber bullets. I mean, th this is supposed to be the lucky country here in Australia, the, this free country. Uh, and it sounds a lot like when you read about Bucharest in Romania, maybe not to that degree, uh, but certainly something where we can still maintain that we can give thanks, we can re rejoice, we can we can pray without ceasing and have that, that joy. Uh, and I see that throughout uh, Richard Wormbrand's life, uh, Richard Wormbrand's life, I should be saying. 
Um, it wasn't just the physical torture, but the mental torture that the guards would play, uh, you know, almost very creative. You can imagine they had recordings of simulated firing squads, you know, to, like you needed to hear that, uh, to intimidate the prisoners, thinking, oh no, it could be me next. Um, constant blaring over the loudspeakers was this uh, constant chant of, Communism is good. Communism is good. Christianity is stupid. Christianity is stupid. Give up. Give up. This relentless interrogation uh, and mind games that they played. You know, can you imagine hearing that all day long? It just and, and many people would cave because they couldn't take it. It was the the coercion. You'd be promised freedom. Another thing Richard did was memorize scripture because he didn't have the Bible. He couldn't have a Bible with him, but he would memorize chunks of scripture that would be uh, there because no one could get into his mind. This was something he was able to meditate on. Guys, we have a Bible and we should be memorizing it now while we've got this window of freedom. As Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So Richard was able to do that, to, to meditate on his word. And um, as a gospel tier, as someone that goes out sharing the gospel, I encourage you to share the gospel, but to to memorize scriptures, to learn them, because uh, it's so valuable when we're sharing the gospel. Isaiah fifty five eleven, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth; it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It's so powerful when we use God's word in our evangelism, when we shine the light and it will not return void. It won't won't be empty. Uh, Richard also knew that uh, in terms of suffering, that if Christ could stretch out his arms on the cross, Richard could raise his own as well. So if his arms were being lifted um, in terms of being beaten and some things that they, they did, you just, you know, it's so heartbreaking and almost unmentionable, but uh, he, he went through it all. Um, we know that a servant is not above his master. If Christ is going to suffer, they're going to hate him. They're going to hate us. Um, but the, the thing was, no matter what the guards did to Richard, his soul was held in Christ's hands, too powerful to pry apart. They couldn't break him. In fact, the more they beat him, the closer he was to Christ. Uh, there was also lack of food with, um, I'd struggle with that. Oh boy, this, <laughs> I struggle. A slice of bread per week. Uh, yeah, I'd struggle with that per day, let alone per week. And often he would tithe, you know, give a 10% of that to someone who needed it the most. And um, it was very gray. It was very dark. He didn't see sunlight or color for years. So when he finally saw it, it was just so amazing to see God's creation. Uh, for 17 hours a day, he was unable to rest uh, his head and close his eyes. He had to stand for that long, often. Uh, so, you know, those days when you go, oh, I've been on my feet all day, think to this. And, uh, you know, he, he was often blindfolded, beaten, branded with a hot iron, uh, unbearable pain. He endured the nails of the the casa, which is, it sounds like some torturous medieval uh, device, you know, with all the nails in this small uh like a wardrobe that you can't move and he had to stand there for two days uh if if you move if if, almost if you cough these nails are going to dig into you and bore into your body and um yeah i don't know how he went through it but it was you know a lot of people go insane and, and there were times where he felt like his mind was going and 
becoming like that. He'd have hallucinations, but uh, he'd have all these attacks. Yes, physically, but it was a lot of spiritual attack against him. But he kept on holding on to the scripture of no weapon fashioned against him will prosper, as it says in Isaiah. Um, see, the more he suffered, the more he felt love for the guards. It, it's doing the opposite. They, they're wanting him to actually have this hate and, and then, okay, I'll, I'll give in. But he actually felt more love. He believed in the all-embracing love of Christ who desires salvation for everyone. I've seen persecution on the streets, uh, not at this level. Again, you know, it's it's the smaller trials that we've got to get used to first, those smaller weights before we progress into the heavier stuff. But, you know, where I've been told where to go when people use expletives in that manner. And um, I've seen a lot of people just uh, screw up uh, gospel tracks in front of me. Uh, the other week we had a lady come out with us to share the gospel and she hadn't been out in a while and she's sharing the gospel with this drunk lady and she starts abusing her, swearing at her and then she spat on her face. And rather than, you know, oh, this is horrible, I want to go home, she considered it a great privilege to suffer for his sake. And I don't know, there's something about when you suffer for the Lord that that we can leap for joy uh, Luke six twenty two, and th- this is something I see so evident in Richard and Sabina's life. It says, Jesus says, blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Uh, I remember when I was, and I think I may have shared this in one of the previous podcasts uh, episodes, but um, when I was part of Audacity, the the film, the film by Ray Comfort, when I was in Audacity, which deals with uh, gay marriage, a, a very heavy topic, and I knew that, yeah, he he's standing up for Christ. You know, uh, I knew that I was going to suffer persecution as a result of that, and even before the movie came out, I I was posting about it, I was sharing things on Facebook. I had this barrage of hate that I'd never known. I knew it could happen, but to get it from people that, you know, and even people that call themselves Christians would unfriend me and say nasty things and swear and carry on at me. And I just felt initially just so downhearted and it was awful. And I remember I I told Ray Comfort, I said, I'm struggling already with this. And he said, yeah, he said, uh, you know, leap for joy. The Bible says to leap for joy. And it just, it, even him saying that just, it, it just gave me this joy in my soul. I said, yeah, I want to leap for joy. And I was driving, I was with my son and I pulled over afterwards and got out of the car and I did this big leap for joy, like a Toyota. Yeah, what a feeling, jump. And I had incredible joy. So um, I, I understand that. Blessed when men hate you. Uh, and this is what Richard definitely saw that joy that came from him. You know, you you see what I found interesting when I read this book is you're going to see suffering of one human being like you never thought possible. But I will say this, you will see joy and love even greater. So that's the thing that I see is this joy, this love that came out of him. Not so much the, there's really no bitterness. There's no angst because of what he's going through. There's this incredible joy. And may that be the case in our lives. Uh, He even led one man to Christ through a bit of this tapping 
on the wall. Uh, Morse code. Can you believe it? Someone comes to Christ and they're hearing, yes, he's coming to Christ through that. Amazing. Repenting and putting his faith in Christ. Um, meanwhile, at, at, as all this is going on, all this torture, Sabina's going through the same thing in a women's prison being tortured. Uh, and, and it wasn't as long. Um, Richard, as I said, about 14 years. It was probably six or so years for Sabina. Uh, but even the time when she was at home, she was having to be very discreet and be uh, always guarded that, you know, because there were informants there that wanted to send uh, people to prison and uh, you know, this lifestyle wasn't easy. She was with Mihai, their son. In They, they lived in an attic um, in very poor uh, conditions and struggled with uh, finances. And so both of them had an incredibly difficult, torturous life. Um, and, and during his time in prison, Richard was almost at the brink of death. He'd been so badly beaten, his body, and he had tuberculosis again. He was sent to prison in the hospital uh, in room four. Now, when they were sent to room four, it was basically like, yep, it's it's heaven's waiting room. It's a, it's They're basically on death's row. Death row, I should say. Uh, but he was the only prisoner who could survive this. And often in there, he would sacrifice his meals, even though they weren't that many, uh, give them to other prisoners who needed it more or medicine. Uh, he'd give them and demonstrating the love of Christ that, that really spoke to them. And it was there that he spent 30 months in there uh, this was his ministry. As a pastor, he was leading all these patients to Christ. And many of them were atheists, but many, many came to Christ. So it's it's a horrible thing to think, you know, he's got tuberculosis, his body's so badly beaten. He's a skeleton of a man. And it's just like this evil that's being inflicted on him. But yet he's winning souls for Christ. And God's using it in a way that you could never imagine. Genesis 50, 20, the, the first part of that verse I'll read says, but as for you, this is Joseph speaking, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. It's a, a verse I frequent myself with um, a lot because we, we do see a lot of evil come at us, but, but God converts that into good. All things work together for good for those that love God who are called according to his purpose. And I'm uh, very often finding there are situations, yeah, they're not prisons, but they could be the, the airplane delays, right? You know, and the, the natural tendency is to grumble and just sigh. And, you know, people get on their phone and they're like, oh, running late, plane delay, you know, and they feel sorry for themselves. Why don't we rejoice? Uh, give thanks in all circumstances, pray without ceasing, use that as an opportunity, as a gospel opportunity to share the gospel. Many times I've done that and I've seen rather than, oh yeah, that that was horrible, right? Who wants that when you could actually say, hey, this was a gospel opportunity. This was so good. Look at it through the eyes of, looking at it through the spirit rather than in the flesh because you're going to be miserable and who wants that, Right. Wouldn't you rather be just filled with joy? And you can be when you walk in the spirit and you say, God, I'm looking at it through your lens and seeing this as an opportunity to further the kingdom of God and share the gospel. So he was miraculously uh, recovered from the tuberculosis. So he, he didn't die. He was the only one that didn't in that room for. And uh, God preserved his life. Uh, still had a lot of recovery to do because his body was so badly beaten. But, uh, you know, and, and he had this pastor, this, uh, you know, he's used to 
pastoring in Romania in Bucharest with the underground church. But now he's got a new flock of murderers and thieves and sinners and fascists. And they were hanging off every word they were saying as a pastor, um, as, as their pastor. Eventually, Richard was released, uh, but it was only a short while. It was a very, you know, he was so overjoyed to see his wife and his son, uh, Mihai, who had, was 17 by now. And uh, he just missed so much of his life. But thankfully, he was serving the Lord. And um, But he still had to be so careful because there was still communism there. And um, he said to many congregations that every pastor needs to be prepared to die. Wow, that's not, that's not an easy sermon to digest, right? And yet uh, it didn't take long until word got around that, you know, he's out there preaching again. He'd been stripped of his uh, preaching license and he's preaching um, where communism is ruling and he went back to prison and this time it was a it was a different prison where the torture was even worse uh, in fact just before he went he'd, he'd been praying at the, at the dinner table lord if there is someone who needs to hear the gospel in prison maybe send me back there <laughs> who prays like that and sabina reluctantly says uh amen like yeah, don't pray that, Richard. But uh, it wasn't long. Yes, he was back in prison and um, he had an arrangement with the guards. They accepted the price for a sermon. They would preach and a pummeling would follow. And then he'd go back and say, no, brethren, where were we? I mean, it's just like, let's get back to preaching rather than, oh, I better not preach again. Uh, here, here's what he said about this. It's a great quote. I was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted their terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us, so everyone was happy. I love his uh, humor, even amongst the uh, the darkest situations. Um, the guards, they could damage his body all they want, but they could never diminish his spirit. And Richard knew uh, he'd had a Lutheran uh, background. And Martin Luther had said that our life on earth is like that of an unborn child, just like the embryo preparing for the future state. So are we. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. And that's something that uh, you see in Richard's life. He lived that way. He really displayed a true patience, a long suffering. Uh, when faced with torture, Jesus could have summoned his angels to rescue him, but he endured the pain because of his love for his enemies, crucifying him. And Richard did the same. He found great joy in suffering. It just sounds so ironic, but he did. He found joy. And so many years of uh, solitary confinement, that would, you know, as I said, drive people insane. But this deepened his capacity for Richard to enjoy his savior. Um, and, and I see that again with, with our lockdown here, that as I mentioned, it was a time for me to get deeper and more intimate. Um, yes, it's not the same degree of suffering, but we've got to be doing this as our life, whatever trial um, I, I saw a great joy in the quarantine, not because of the quarantine, but because of the opportunity to spend time in the word, to spend time praying. And um, 
See, we even that we can't do on our own strength, but we need his strength. James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Or consider it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or, or long-suffering. But let the patience have its perfect work that you may be complete uh be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, I'll say this. If you were to ask, uh, do, do you want to be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you're going to have to suffer. <laughs> Is there any other way? No. It's no pain, no gain. And uh, you will have that uh, joy. You will have that uh, perfect, mature Christianity where you are lacking in nothing and that is something that I can absolutely say is a verse that really sums up Richard's life uh, 14 years of terrible suffering uh, eventually got released after uh, there was amnesty granted to so many prisoners which of course he was one it took him a long time to gain weight he was like a, a skeleton just barely hanging on for life and he recovered um and everyone around Romania wanted to hear this message because it was, it was so unique. And uh, even though there's a lot of suffering, he he was one pastor who suffered, and suffered well with great joy. And they wanted to hear his story, and it became almost dangerous for him to stay in Romania because the, even though the communism was ending, he still had to flee. And they, uh, him and Sabina, moved to the U.S. And uh, that's where he spent the rest of his life in, in California, but touring all around the world, speaking all over the world. Um, and he still remained humble. You know, a lot of this could have gone to his uh, head and, you know, all the, the pride of that, but he still remained so humble and had um, he founded the Voice of the Martyrs and implored many, many people in Western churches to be praying for the persecuted church because they were praying for the Western church in the persecution. Uh, but he said he didn't find that, the opposite was true. Very little prayer was happening for the persecuted church. And we, we should be praying for our brothers and sisters and um, grieving with those who grieve and uh, rejoicing with those who rejoice. Um, so in the natural, you know, after he got out of prison, he wanted to retire, but he spent the rest of his life fighting that good fight. And him and Sabina were a mighty voice for persecuted Christians. Um, guys, my, my life as an evangelist has been so impacted by Richard Wormbrand. Uh, when, I, when I look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, that these guys were small H heroes, Richard and Sabina Wormbrand, Wormbrand. Um, and there's so much more. I, I feel like I've still scratched the surface that you can read in this book, which is Sabina's story, as well as Tortured for Christ, all in one. It will be a difficult read, uh, an inconvenient truth. Uh, it, it'll be very hard, but yet awesome, which is kind of what Christianity really is all about, right? Uh, they're true examples of heroes that point us to Christ. And no matter what we suffer in this life, like Richard, uh, like Sabina, and indeed like Christ, we too can suffer with incredible joy. Father God, I thank you so much for the, the life of Richard Wormbrand and indeed Sabina Wormbrand, who were heroes of the faith that we can learn these um, evangelism truths for and just this foundation of our life to to have joy amidst the suffering come what may we we want to come away from the world and 
uh, not fear the cross and be ready to suffer, uh, you know, and find that even in suffering, there's great joy and it's going to make us stronger and closer and more intimate. And what the enemy means for evil against us, God, you can mean it for good. So may we not fear, may we not worry, but may we embrace whatever you have for us with incredible joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.